Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cashflow Legends. Nate and Brock and I are stoked to be here. Uh, I always thought about that. I never thought about this until Nate mentioned it one time, but if you see me in the same thing, I hope you understand that sometimes we record more than one episode in a day. <laughs> it, it, it might, but it might be my favorite shirt. I rotate like three hats. So I'm a simple man when it comes to that. But I know Nate thinks about that. Is that right, Nate? Oh, for sure. But this is yep. uh, this is probably my favorite hoodie that I'm wearing right now. Um, I wear it a lot. And so I probably recorded maybe three or four episodes in it at least no um, judgment it, we all shower, it seems like it's wash our clothes yeah yeah it seems like it's kind of like my wednesday friday hoodie uh <laughs> i find myself wearing it a lot on wednesdays and a lot on fridays so anyways all right we just came off of christmas real quick brock tell me the one thing you got to do or the gift you received that you enjoyed the most Ooh, that's tough. Uh, enjoyment, just being around family. We got to spend uh, great quality time together now that we're all kind of in our own worlds now. And um, moving moving this year, I got a bunch of cooking things. So I guess <laughs> I have to learn how to cook. You're officially a grown-up. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> all right, Nate, what about you? Um, getting to meet my stepbrother, and his wife and kids for the first time cool. in person uh, yesterday. That was really cool. Um, my mom, you know, my dad passed away in 2012 from cancer, and she remarried a couple years ago. And um, my stepbrother, he has uh, been stationed in Florida from up until recently, and then they just moved to Texas. And so they, they made the trip to uh, – my parents' house, um, and we all got to be together for the first time. So it was pretty cool. That is awesome. Um, for me, I am not a big gifts. Don't fire me up because I'm guilty of buying whatever is something that I want when I want it. Uh, if it's something that's a priority to me. Um, but I didn't do a great job of gift giving last year because my wife's love language is gifts. And, I'd like to say that I at least can learn from my lessons and spent most of this last year buying things along the way. And so watching my kids get to get things they're excited about and spend time with family was by far uh, the most enjoyable. And then my wife saying, you did a good job this year, babe. That was uh, a, <laughs> that was way, way better than last year when I knew I really could have uh, done much better than I did. So, uh, all right. In regard to gift giving, one of the ways that we can be good gift givers is to have cash flow that comes into our life that we get to utilize for the things that matter to us the most. One of the ways that you hear most often when you hear infinite banking, people say pairing it with real estate is a great thing to do. All right. So just in a general introduction, how can infinite banking and real estate mesh so well together. 
Yeah, I think the easiest answer, Brandon, would be that real estate is the almost most ideal cash flow tool where whole life insurance can be the most, uh, could be one of the best liquidity tools. And so when you put them together and you learn how to cycle them in and out of each other, I mean, as one of the advisors that I do a lot of joint work with, he calls it the peanut butter and jelly of the uh, financial world. I love a peanut butter and jelly. Okay. So you just said something, you said cycle in and out of, you mentioned whole life. So let's, for anybody, if this happens to be your first episode to listen to or watch, the infinite banking concept can be used with any tool. We believe that whole life is the way that's most efficient, the best product to apply the infinite banking concept. That concept comes from a book called Becoming Your Own Banker, written by Nelson Nash. And Brock, go a little bit deeper into what, let's just keep IBC or infinite banking out of it real quick. Why is real estate such a powerful wealth building tool? Give a few of the highlights that you like that you like, that you utilize, that you like to teach other people. Yeah. And so just to preface and on why I may have some standing room here, I own a bunch of uh, single family homes, multifamily properties, and uh, now RV parks. And Sweet. Um, when you look at real estate, it provides, it can provide cash flow, it can provide appreciation, it can provide depreciation, other tax benefits. And you own it. And so this creates another asset, another wealth building tool within your overall. All right, Nate. So when we're sitting down and we're interacting with anybody that's new to us and they're really excited about the process that we all we all utilize a very similar process. OK, because uh, what Nate and I have begun to apply over the last year is a process that we are really proud of teaching people. Uh, that Brock uses in many ways. And we really are just showing someone if they were at a 30,000 foot view, looking down at their financial picture, you know, all the choices they made, which has been the best decisions they knew to make to the point that we're meeting and how they're all working together or not, how they're pulling against each other or flowing together with each other. Nate, when you see somebody that already owns real estate, and then they're just beginning to be introduced to the infinite banking concept and the truth of whole life policies. What do you love about that? What what excites you the most when you get to see that for them? I think just the, the, the parallels of the two asset classes is something that's always fun. And for somebody who has uh, investing in real estate, when they first learn about whole life insurance, it's like a, you know one of those light bulb moments where they're like, wow, like these assets are so close to one another um, because there's a market value of the asset, a present value of the asset, whatever that is. Um, and then you have equity that you get to build up inside of that asset that you own and control. And there's um, tax benefits to both asset classes. Um, the, uh, the example that, that I share often with people is um, when it comes to, one of my real estate experiences was when I first started using the infinite banking process and applying that it was for the purpose of debt elimination. Originally, 
you know, I, I've told my story before. I was from, I was dealing with some debt. Brandon was in the wealth creation stage at that point because he had pretty was pretty much debt free. <laughs> so I'm working on debt elimination and all that stuff. We're shifting wind current, getting things moving in the right direction and funding our policies along the way. And then all of a sudden, a piece of land popped up that, you know, when we were funding our policies, we weren't thinking about land or, or anything like that. But a piece of land popped up that we were, became very interested in. And because of that process and applying those things and, and getting into that um, habit of funding those policies, we had accumulated money or cash value or equity, you know, however you want to look at it, we accumulated money inside of those policies that gave us the ability to act and take advantage of that, that land that came up available. And so that was my first experience with using my policy for real estate was the, the land that, that we bought in 2020. And, um, you know, I had, an, I didn't, it, it was, over 20 acres. I didn't have enough in the policy to buy it outright, but I had more than enough for the down payment. And so I was able to immediately take that, that money out for the down payment and put it on there. And, um, it's appreciated more than double since we bought it. Um, so it's, it's been a very profitable, um, acquisition. <laughs> so that's good stuff. So Brock, don't go too deep into the mechanics. Let's let's keep it like a peanut butter and jelly, which is easy to make. Okay. Almost anybody can do that. But just mechanically speaking, real estate, IBC, why many times does it make more sense to go to and through a whole life policy, or why all the time, if possible, and then into real estate compared to before knowing about IBC, I'm just going to go through using the bank's money, getting a loan, saving up cash. Because uh, right. I think this is a piece that's missed often in the world that we live in, is mm -hmm. that it's not either or, mm -hmm. it's and, and how and is more beneficial than either or. So mm -hmm. maybe talk through that for a minute. Yeah, great. So when you are solely using a bank account, what happens is you save, save, save. And then you deplete your account, whether that's zero or some amount that's still in there, you purchase your property. Well, typically over the long term of the property, you're going to refinance more than likely sometime before you sell, or that's what a lot of real estate investors do. Well, during that whole time, your money was only in the real estate property. You liquidated your bank account, so they were no longer providing any economic benefits, nor were they giving you interest on that money that you had in the real estate, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you refinanced your property and when you collected rents and you had what's called profit or free cash flow, that went in your bank account and you were repaying that account over time, right? Whether we realize it or not, we were repaying that account. Well, the same is true within while we use the infinite banking process or whole life insurance. When we save there first, and then borrow against it to purchase this asset, we're going to be repaying the account. But all the while that we were taking our free cash flow and putting it back into the policy, we're growing it tax-free. We've got a death benefit. If, if possible, we have disability protection. So in the event that we get disabled, it becomes better. But then when we refinance, now we have somewhere to place the money 
that we didn't interrupt any of that compound growth over time. So now we have money earning in multiple places at once. Let's really hone in on that last piece you just said. That was really good. We didn't interrupt. Okay. One of my favorite stories, my brother, who's an entrepreneur. I mean, I think since he could walk, he's always just been wired to be an entrepreneur. I thought he was crazy most of his life until I got the entrepreneur bug and started realizing that there's a different way to think about money. He had only ever known traditional financial products. So when he read Becoming Your Own Banker, he zoomed through it immediately. He goes, this makes perfect sense. Control of cash flow, multiple benefits, yada, yada, yada. He's like, I get it. Sign me up. Let's go. It was so simple because he's a business mind, has been forever. But of a year or two later, I think me, him are talking, maybe Nate's there. And we said something just at a natural conversation about infinite banking and whole life policies. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, say that again. And we said it and he goes, so you're telling me when I borrow against the cash value in my policy or policies, the amount that was in there originally continues to grow uninterrupted as I have the access to go create new opportunities. I said, yeah. He goes, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> I'm like, I did tell you that because you're, but you're a quick start. So you didn't process it all. He's like, that is game changing for a business owner. So let's, let's dive into that simply. Normally, when we use a dollar, it does one thing for us. Normally, it buys this or we save it here and it gives us peace of mind, but it's only doing one thing. And what Nate or Brock just alluded to is that it can do multiple things for you. That same one dollar. And that is a different. It's a really a hard way. I think it's one of the biggest reasons you guys expand on this. It's one of the biggest reasons early on someone who's newly introduced to this that has never been an entrepreneur, has never run businesses, has a hard time gra grasping this thought process. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. You know, when we when we look at somebody's financial world, let's say that they were just a regular W-2 person, W-2 mm -hmm. job. The three most powerful places that they could put money are real estate, Qualified retirement plans, as much as I don't like them, and permanent life insurance. With uh, real estate, you have multiple dimensions of returns, appreciation, cash flow, depreciation, the tax benefits, right? In a qualified plan, you do have some tax benefits. You do get a match sometimes. Um, so there are a couple different uh, areas that you can get there. The growth of the portfolio, hopefully within there. And then in life insurance, permanent life insurance specifically, you get tax benefits, you get cash value growth, you get death benefit growth, you own the asset just like real estate. You are getting these multiple dimensional returns on your dollar rather than a bank account. You only get interest, if any at all. You pay taxes on that interest too. Correct. Broker, <laughs> brokerage account. You put the money in and it grows. That's about it unless you are maybe creating a dividend um, or an income portfolio that you can create some cash flow off of that as well. Maybe a little bit of tax benefits, but they're limited. So where in our world can we begin to create these multidimensional returns when we put a dollar somewhere? Mm. All right. So I'd, let's have this. Go ahead, Nate. I'll ask after you go. Uh, I was just, well, when you said multidimensional, it reminds me of something that I, I shared a few years ago. Our basic financial education that we all get basically tells us that money is two dimensional. It's just flat on a page and there's 
it's it's very easy to understand um there's not a whole lot of movement or anything like that and what leverage and really a, a deeper understanding of financial education allows us to do is see money in three dimensions where it comes alive it comes off the page and and what uh your brother Shane had a hard or, or didn't understand initially what he got excited about was just the idea of having a line of credit that I that I control that was basically that was what got him excited uh, I'm building a line of credit and I have control of it from a business owner that made sense well that's really the two-dimensional version of what this whole process is because once he understood leverage and the ability to keep pressure on those dollars to grow, well, then it became three-dimensional. And now it, now it's coming alive. And now it's really starting to make sense. And so, um, you know, there's, there's it reminds me of something that Robert Kiyosaki said, you know, there's three sides to every coin. Most people just think about heads, tails, and that's it. But there's the edge of the coin. That's also a side of the coin. And that's the side that most people completely miss. Um, most people, most people never learn about the edge. So, and, uh, you know, the edge is really when it comes to personal finance, it's understanding leverage because that's what everything that we teach is built around leverage. But the traditional financial world tells you that leverage is risk and stay away from it. Yeah. Let's touch on that word leverage. This is a personal experience. Before I understood what I do to this point, and I've got so much to learn still, the word leverage meant risk, meant danger, and it meant something I didn't want to participate in. It had a negative connotation in my brain. So here's what I'm going to say. If we know that the Pareto principle says that 80% of people think or struggle with similar things, okay, I really want to be sure that this gets heard. Leverage is as powerful as the knowledge and the understanding and the reasoning of how and why you use it. It can also be just as detrimental if you don't know why, how, when, or where, or what. Okay. Because you have to know the vehicles, which is why we love this mindset of how we think about money flowing through our life and whole life policies and infinite banking and real estate. So let me simplify it in a different way. The heads and the tails take up the most surface area of a coin. The edge takes up a minimal surface area in the grand scheme of the other two sides. It's also why Nelson Nash said and believed that if you redistributed all the wealth in the world today equally, the edge would have the majority of the wealth back in their coffers, using it the way they know how to grow more wealth faster. And the heads and the tail side, the larger surface area, the 80 to 90% would be back to where they were in five to 10 years. That is a bold statement that if I would have read that 10 years ago, I would have said absolutely no way. That is a lie. What I know now is it may take less than 10 years. And this is why when you hear the most wealthy people, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about freedom of time, interest, purpose, you know, but money creates that often. They will tell you if I go to zero, I know what to do. I just earn it all back again. They have no worries about how to create new wealth. 
because they know the rules of the game because they've lived on the edge of that coin and they recognize that's where the greatest opportunity is. And as Alex Hermosi said that I love this, our greatest danger is not realizing the level of our ignorance and how to overcome it as quickly as possible. That's paraphrased, but it's the truth. We're always going to be ignorant of something. Ignorance is not a bad word. School has taught us to think it's a bad word. It's a word we ought to lean into. So here's in regard to real estate and infinite banking. I want everybody listening to put yourself in this thought scenario. Let's say you meet us, you come through our process, and you realize that what you thought was risky is really not. It's just a perpetuation of a thought that most people buy into to give them a false sense of security. And we said to you, hey, you made $100 today. And now instead of only keeping six of it, you get to keep seven of it this whole year. And next year you get to keep eight of it and the nine of it. And that availability of how much you get to keep goes up. You'd be like, sign me up. Well, what Brock and Native alluded to and really broke down really well is real estate and our dollar doing multiple things gives us multiple benefits, the ability to keep more of our money and create more simultaneously. So mechanically speaking, when you hear real estate is risky, Brock, what is your thought process on how you walk through that now with people? It's kind of funny that you bring that up. So I was, I was um, walking somewhere at our church and, and some guy who has a hobby for finance and not actually in it or does anything okay. was, was talking about something and somehow, some way he pulled me into the conversation talking about how uh, he only believes in the stock market. He'd never invest in real estate. And, and in that moment I popped off and, and, <laughs> and I was just, I didn't even pop off. I, I, I basically just brushed him off and just said, I'm not going to have this conversation. But the reality was when I reflected on it, the reason that he thought that was risky was because he's never had the opportunity to buy it because of the, of where he's at financially. Me purchasing real estate to me is, is easy. I mean, it's a no brainer. I know who I can do it with. I know where to do it. I know how to do it. And it's not that risky to me. But then you think about like, I believe I mentioned uh, one of my mentors the other day on a, uh, on our podcast, you know, he, he'll probably be a billionaire in the next five to 10 years. And well, you know, he buys restaurants and anybody and everybody would probably tell you that is the worst decision you could ever probably do. That's way too risky. But yet the dude has been doing it for years. And he not only buys the restaurant, but he also buys the, re the real estate that goes with it. And I would fair to say that he's doing okay because I've eaten in his restaurants before with him. And I know what he's purchasing. I know what he's doing. And so you got to remember that the risk is in the investor, not necessarily in the investment. Okay. So that's really, really good. It, it really puts a magnifying glass on something that we have all learned or are continuing to learn. Our level of success will be directly related to how much we lean into what we don't know. 
And the next layer of that is, is who we begin to learn from that they know that things we don't know, or they know more about things that we don't know. This would be no different than if you're a, an exceptional college baseball coach or you're an exceptional pastor already at a young age, or you're a, a new parent and you go seek someone that is living in a way that you've seen that you would be like, hey, I'd be pretty pleased if my life was similar to that at that stage of my life. And you pick their brain and you learn from them. So I always reframe it this way. If someone could sit down and learn how to ensure that their income or the expenses they have in their life would be covered, whether they were working or not, would they want to do that? And everybody says yes. So they're like, you know, expand on that. What do you mean? Well, if your if your bills and living expenses total are five thousand a month, let's just use real estate for this example. It could be restaurants. It could be fix and flips. It could be it could be any type of investment you as the investor understand and feel comfortable with. But let's just use real estate. And that real estate over long range thinking and good planning and working with good people replaced or covered that 5,000. Are we in a better position to do the things we're called to do or a worse position? And so Nate expand on that conversation. Brock alluded to uh, several really good points, but how can we use real estate and infinite banking to reduce the risk in our life? Even if we, maybe aren't originally thinking of ourselves as a real estate investor. Well, an example that I, I use often whenever I'm trying to simplify this idea of real estate and how it could work with whole life insurance is if you had the opportunity to create equity in two different assets with the same dollar, would you want to do that? I mean, it, the obvious answer is yes, because why wouldn't I want to get multiple uses out of my money? Why wouldn't I want my money to create more value for me than it was previously? Um, and so it's really important for people to understand that what we were talking about earlier with leverage, this idea of leverage in an environment that we control is different than what everybody else talks about when it comes to leverage. Because leverage outside of an environment that we control is now putting it in the hands of someone else and giving all these other variables uh, the ability to wreck your plan. But when we are practicing the, the process and the concept of infinite banking, now we are starting to move more of that control back over to our side. And the more money that we can flow through our system, the more control we have over those dollars. Um, but understanding how to get your dollar to do more than one thing is really important in this entire process and what we're talking about, but especially with real estate, because having equity in multiple assets with the same dollar, having the ability to have those assets feed back to one another and eventually become a, a machine that's unstoppable. Um, that's a really powerful concept and idea. And when you understand that that is possible and that you can create these systems 
that feed back to one another, then it becomes a game of understanding like we were talk like you were talking about, okay, what are my expenses? How quickly can I solve for that equation of getting my passive income to equal my expenses? So that reduces my mental capital, increases my peace of mind so that I can have a lot more clarity and a lot more freedom as far as how I want to operate in my life. Brock, Nate just brought up the word passive. Okay. And I want to really get your insight on what passive really can mean, maybe what it should mean in your perspective, because you've been around a lot of real estate deals. Uh, you've introduced real estate deals to lots of people. Um, and then I'll give some maybe feedback from what I've experienced on what passive is not. Okay. And let's kind of balance those out. Yeah. So let's just throw this out there. There's no actual thing as passive income. Completely. <laughs> that that's, right. is, that's just like the first truth that you need to hear. There, There is a level at which it is passive. Real yes. estate market. I mean, the stock market, about as passive you could, as you could possibly get. Throw your money at it and then just let it do what it does, right? In the real estate market, there are different aspects to how passive you want to be, right? So one of my family office clients, what we do, he has more that are hands-on where we have to go through all the pro formas. We have to go see the properties. We got to do all the due diligence to go into this property. But then there are things like funds to where there's tons of properties in one little you know pocketbook you could say and you just put your money in there and it returns you a check every month right but the only way that you get to invest in those is being at a level of an investor that is allowed to legally and so my answer to you would be hey truth first truth understand there's no such thing as passive you do have to do the work you do have to look at it you do need to do your due diligence on the properties so that you don't get nipped in the butt when it comes, you know, pay time. Let me expand on that with Nate's point, your point, and my experiences, and let's bring it all together. Sorry, my my computer clipped over and I thought we lost it for a minute. All right, so Brock has a greater understanding of real estate than Nate and I in the grand scheme of all the deals he's seen, the type of deals he's done. Um, I have some probably 30, 40 fix and flips, long-term rentals, short-term rentals that I've done with my brother and others. <clears throat> this passive piece is fascinating to me because it really comes down to one, knowing yourself as an investor and that can evolve. And I think it evolves with how much you lean into how ignorant you are on every topic and how fast it can, you can get more clarity on what kind of investor you are. You're in a way willingness to fail or learn from other people's failures. But if Nate and I had, X amount of additional capital each month, each quarter, each year. And we knew that. So we already were making more than we were spending. I can tell you right now that if we wanted to create an additional flow of money coming back from us, to us, excuse me, we would lean heavily into Brock's knowledge and go, hey, Brock, from your experiences, this is the kind of uh, process we want to experience because Nate and I know that we need to spend the majority of our time doing what we're doing right now, educating, engaging, pouring into people, helping them learn new things about what we do. And Brock and his connections are a who that we would trust because we trust Brock. Yes, we would vet them. Yes, we would feel 
confident in who they were, but we'd already have a leg up because we know Brock will, and he's already experiencing the positives of these relationships. And then we would decide we want this money or this additional flow to go towards this goal, and this is the reason why. But there's a key piece in there, and I really want to bridge a gap here. I would say the 80-20 rule again. 80% of people listening to this probably work a job that someone pays them. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's what I want to challenge people to think about. If you could begin to learn a process to where your money would do more for you while you work the same effort you already do, and it would allow you over long-range thinking the ability to have more control of your time, would you not want to do that? Or why would you not want to do that? And almost everybody's like, well, show me how. And that's really what we're spending a lot of time behind the scenes conversating about that we get to do really is we help people get from here to here if they know they want to go there and how to get there. And it almost always is related to control of their time. Like it always is the foundation of I want to be able to spend more time with my kids. I want to be able to spend more time seeing the world. I want to be able to spend more time learning about things I don't understand. Well, here's the reality. Money has to play a role in that somewhere and how you view money and how it works for you or how it's working against you. So we're really prioritizing making it in a way where people can go, I'm over here in this world of W-2 where I'm taxed at the highest amount possible typically. And I want to get over here to where my money's working for me at a lower tax bracket to keep more of my money so I can create more control of my time. And Brandon, but, I'm yep. going to add to that to say that we are not saying in no way, shape, or form that a W-2 is a bad thing. 100%. W-2s are, a lot of people want to like to, to use the word cheat code. W-2s yep. is one of the greatest cheat codes you could have, I think, in the yep. financial world because you know your income is coming in. It's not guaranteed all the time. Mm-hmm. That is why we want to build these cash flow engines to produce an income for you outside of your job. However, while you have it, if you can figure out how to save first and put yourself in optimal control to create these cash flow engines, your productivity and everything begins to take shape. Yep. Yeah. So I just sit and I think often our going back and talking to my younger self going into the workforce. Okay. At that point, I knew I wanted to be a coach and I knew I wasn't going to make a lot of money. But if I could have seen clearly that there would be a way to, I mean, let's go back 22 years ago. Knowing what I know now, I could have showed my 20, 22 year old self a way to create flow of money just by having a diligence of saving first, because then I would know what to do with it to create certainty, to create cash flow that could have. I mean, at this point, far surpassed the monthly income I've received from my W-2 all the way up to when I no longer had a W-2 in 2020. I would make the strong argument if I could have been given that education and had someone mentoring me and I would be embracing what they're teaching me, 
that I would have been a better coach, that I would have been a more purpose-driven coach because my decisions would not have been based off of money alone because in year 10, 12, or 15, when it was really getting not ideal, it was because I was recognizing that inflation was eating my dollar alive, taxes were eating my dollar alive, we had more kids, which required more expenses. And so I had to make decisions that were based off of money first, which is why I was looking to be a superintendent. That was the next step in increasing my income. But if I could have had the expenses being covered by a passive, semi-passive, okay, asset, and it would have let me keep more of my dollar, and I had the cheat code of the W-2, I'd have been sitting in a different place mentally. And so I think this is a real piece of... Do we like real estate as one of the best routes? Yeah. Here's the cool thing. There's a, a thousand different ways that you can send dollars into real estate. Really and truly. It's really just figuring out who and how you want to be the experiences you want to have as an investor. The other piece is we have to understand that anything is risky if we don't spend time understanding it or getting around people who do understand it. I would say that might be more important than anything. Uh, as, as I've alluded to before, we're trying to tie, finish up a project that has not gone well uh, in Missouri. And that has more to do with what I didn't think through and do that I didn't know. Because if I would have been, if I would have brought those deals to Brock, which he had no clue I was doing any of this, he would have probably pretty quickly said, hey, if it were me, I may look this way instead of that way. And we make them get the same returns with le way less risk and way more certainty. But believe me, next time the one of those come around, that's what's going to happen. Okay. And Nate and I get to learn from that too. When we've sent money out, right, Nate, in places that we thought were going to create a great opportunity and they really create a drag on our life and doing what we're best at. All right. Do you guys have any resource or book that you would say, hey, these resources are very beneficial in helping someone reframe how they think about real estate if they're not doing it already in conjunction with IBC or some combination of that. What are y'all's thoughts? Man, there's an endless amount, whether it you know, be YouTube, podcasts. Um, I have a few clients that wrote books on it and how to use it and why to use it. And hopefully I will one day too. But I think the best and easiest to get started would be through, um, if it's real estate specific, busting mm -hmm. the real estate investing lies by Kim Butler Ooh. and, and just roll through that and bring it to the meetings, talk it through, walk it through. Let's, let's hear what's going on. Um, always keep in mind that this is a long-term process. This is a lifetime process. You're not going to do one. And then the world just, just stops a year after like, yep this is going to be a perpetual cycle hopefully for generations to come and you should be able to plan for that i know this is going to blow a lot of people's minds but i would highly recommend this book right here becoming your own baker by nelson nash uh it was the beginning of our true financial journey um and education and so that's a great place to start in my opinion it's only 90 pages you can get it off our website or amazon either one um yep. but uh you know if you get that book we will absolutely have a conversation with you and um, teach as much as you want to learn. So I think that's a great place to start. 
I'm going to add one in there. When I read Becoming Your Own Banker, I agree with Nate. I haven't read the book that you just recommended, Brock, so I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I consumed a lot of Kiyosaki stuff. Nate and I both did after we read Becoming Your Own Banker. Um, for me, for whatever reason, when I had the Becoming Your Own Banker baseline and I read Kiyosaki's book, While the Rich Get Richer, my mind, I, I, I vividly remember where I was listening to it. I was mowing my yard in about 2018, listening to that. And I was like, holy moly. Because all he talks about is, is multiple uses of money and the most efficient ways to do that. And he doesn't even really dive into whole life at ever at all that in anything I've ever read. But the premise of how money works for us or against us was very clear. And now we're back to that edge of the coin. Find things that allow you to get on the edge of the coin in whatever topic it is and evaluate and really have your, what you think you think tested. Okay. Because I would argue uh, confidently from my own experience or make the point, maybe not argue that most of our traditional thinking is the heads and the tail side of the coin, no matter what topic it is. And to push you to think about, well, what's the edge here? If I tilt my head, what do I see differently here? Who is out there? The beauty is that we have resources all over the place nowadays. We just have to be more diligent in evaluating if they are intentionally there to help people or they're intentionally there to help that person first and foremost. That still falls on the individual to do their due diligence and understanding who they're interacting with. You want to know one of the best ways to figure out who you're interacting with? See if they'll interact back with you. Simple as that. Hey, is there a way that I can go through your process and learn who you are and what you stand for? And then you decide what fits your wiring and where you are the best. All right, guys, anything else? All right. Nope. Remember, like, subscribe, write us a review. If there's something that's been valuable to you, uh, that is insightful, that you've really enjoyed, um, all those things really help us. You know, our goal is to organically get this out there to as many people that it meets them on their journey and it can become a blessing for them. And uh, if you have any questions that are more personal, you don't want to put a comment to any of these videos, send an email to cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. And um, we will catch you guys and gals on the next one. Have a great day.